0: just great to be with you uh, online and and here in person. Um, So many people here at Stalford that I know and love, and uh, some of you will have been here long enough to have remembered someone called Rhys Scott. Rhys was one of the worship leaders back in the day. When I was 18, I was Rhys's intern in South Africa in 1996. So I had a connection with him. Uh, I've known you guys over the years. I um, remember at things like Together at Shuttleworth, um, your, your great kindness coming up to me. I don't know if you remember this, but coming up to me and saying, you know, I'd like to stand alongside you and, and, and act as a, a father. And we've had cups of tea in your VW and um, hung out and, and prayed. Um, I really appreciate Peter and and Angela and, and Ewan and Catherine, uh, going back many years, worship conferences and s- deputizing on drums for you. I'm I, absolutely amazed by your bass player today, who was not only one of the world's greatest bass players, but also playing the piano. So I, I fully expect people to be playing at least three instruments next time <laughs> I, I come. That's uh, progress, isn't it? Um, Barbara, Barbara came up to me and... Uh, she she offered me some counselling a few years ago. We sat in a coffee shop and, and talked deeply about things. And obviously with uh, Gareth and Al and Peter, we've been praying together. We've been talking together. We've been journeying together. So I I, I just am so so grateful um, to to know so many. I, I could keep going on and on. Catherine and Ollie, um, Naomi, uh, so so many that I have relationships with. It's it's just. A joy to be connected. And, and, and I appreciate being invited to speak. I want to look at um, Corinthians, 2 Corinthians today, because in that book, in that letter, Paul talks about boasting. On the drive down here this morning, the sun's shining. And uh, I've got my worship music cranked up and uh, not having to listen to kind of Thomas the Tank Engine tapes on the way here uh, on my own. And this super swanky, expensive, pimped up car drove past me at bajillion miles an hour. And the number plate was rich. Now, I have very slightly tweaked that because I I suspect one of you might have been in that car. No, I've slightly tweaked that just in case I don't want to embarrass the the driver, but the number plate amounted to rich. And the the car certainly said that. I wonder what your boast is. I wonder what your confidence is. 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12 9 and 10. Let me just read a verse and then we'll dig into it and contextualize it. So it says, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardship, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. When you hear news like you've just heard, when you're going through a transition, it can be a time of vulnerability, uncertainty. It's good to ask yourself, Where is my confidence? What is my boast? When I read the Bible, I try to summarize each book of the Bible in one word, just so I can remember what the sort of big themes are. And I try to identify a verse, which I think encapsulates that book. And so for me, 2 Corinthians would be weakness. That's the word that summarizes Paul's argument. And these Verses encapsulate it. So let me tell you why I think that's so important to Paul. If Philippi, the church in Macedonia, if Philippi is the head girl, then Corinth is behind the bike shed, having a fag, saying... Impressed me. Paul planted the church in Corinth. You can read about that in Acts 18. He personally heard God call to him. Because God said to him, keep preaching. I've got more people here. He was discouraged. God came and met with him. So he had a personal call from God to be in Corinth. And he invested a year and a half with those people planting that church. He had a call of God, very supernatural. He had a deep relationship, a year and a half he had invested in them. So this isn't a letter to a group of strangers. This is a letter to dear, dear friends. And yet, Corinth isn't Philippi. Corinth is very different. Sorry if any of you are Greek, but imagine Greece as a figure of eight, There's a top half and a bottom half of Greece, and they're connected by a tiny little land bridge. And Corinth sits exactly on that land bridge. So that means if you want to go north or south in in Greece, you go through Corinth. If you want to go east or west through the Mediterranean, you go through Corinth. Okay? you can drive your boat. I'm not sure that's what you do with boats. But if you, you could drive your boat up to one side, carry it over, put it it back in, or get another boat on the other side. It's a major strategic city. It was so strategic that it was actually destroyed by a conquering army and left desolate until Julius Caesar decided to rebuild it. And so when Paul came, Corinth had only been rebuilt for about 100 years. It had the biggest covered market building in the world. So imagine it's not like Athens. It's like Dubai. It has arisen. It's shiny and spectacular and new and powerful. Money is being made hand over fist. There's no aristocracy. There's no old families. All the wealth has come from people being imported. So you've got retired soldiers being given land. You've got freed slaves coming to a place where they can make some money. You've got entrepreneurs making the most out of this this travel hub. And you've got the Ismian Games happening. So tent making is happening. sail making is happening. This is an exploding place. And basically, people are very impressed by outward appearance. Okay, this is really important stuff for you to better understand what's going on in Corinth. The Corinthians weren't really impressed by which school you went to or what your family name was. They were impressed by what car you drove, how fancy your clothes were. And they put this pressure onto Paul. And so they're basically tempted to reject Paul's relationship with them on the basis that he doesn't have a massive entourage... He doesn't charge them extortionate consultancy fees. He's actually suffering. Surely if he was a super Christian, he should be on a super plane above every other Christian and not ever experience any hardship. I don't know if you've noticed that in 2 Corinthians, you get these two long lists of all the hardships that Paul has had. He talks about not being impressive, not being good with his words, not charging them anything. This is one of Paul's most personal, most sarcastic letters. I'm so sorry I didn't charge you loads of money. I'm so sorry I wasn't a burden to you. The Corinthians are putting pressure on Paul to impress them. And so Paul refers to boasting over 30 times in this one letter. But rather than acquiescing to their pressure, yes, I will boast in my entourage, in my impressive Credentials, he says again and again and again, I will boast in my weakness. I will boast in God. He even has incredible supernatural experiences. This is Paul who saw Jesus on the road to Damascus. This is Paul in Corinthians who said, I know a man, (coughs) me, who was caught up into the third heaven, (coughs) me, and I don't want to I don't want to boast about that. I want to boast about Jesus, about his strength. I want to boast about my weakness. Because when I'm fully aware of my weakness, I truly rely on God's strength. Does that make sense? So where is your confidence? Boasting's all around us. I don't know if you've ever seen the film Gladiator. He rallies the troops right at the beginning. What we do in this life echoes in eternity. That's his confidence. He's imparting his confidence to his troops, saying, what you do now is of eternal significance, and on that basis, let's fight. Or Braveheart facing the English army with just some ragtag villagers. He says they might take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. His boast is because they are hired and we are free, we have a chance. And even if we die, we will die free people. That's his confidence. His confidence in his men is that they are fighting as free people who have chosen to be there for their freedom. Or to bring it a bit more up-to-date, you might have seen the film, Taken. In the film, Taken, he says, I have a very particular set of skills. I will find you, and I will kill you. His confidence is in his very particular set of skills. They happen to have kidnapped the daughter, not just of some random bouncer, but of an ex-Special Forces soldier who has a very particular set of skills. Where is your confidence? Where is your boast? Just in your leaders? Just in the routines of a Sunday service before COVID? Is your confidence in your car with a number plate that says rich? Is your confidence in your education? Paul had education. Paul had connections. But his confidence was in God. He rehearsed it again and again and again. He told himself and he told them. I actually had a slight sort of wobbling confidence on the way here because last time, perhaps not last time, but one time recently, when I came down to Bishop Stortford to see Peter, I had a migraine. Do you remember that? I get these types of migraine where I don't actually get a headache, but I get disturbed vision that I, can't, I, can't, I literally can't see, and I have to lie down until it passes. And uh, as I was coming here, and, and I must admit, we were about to go into a meeting, and I was lying on your living room floor, flat out, thinking, this isn't very impressive. And as I was coming here this morning, it's bright sunlight, but the sun isn't very high. So it's, it's coming through the trees at a certain angle, and it's causing them to um, strobe on the, on the motorway. I'm going really fast past these trees. Black, white, black, white, black, white, black, white, You know, sunshade, 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 sunshade. And I could feel my eyes beginning to... And the first thing that came to my mind, this isn't going to impress anyone. If I turn up and I have to lie on the floor and say, I don't know if I'd be able to talk to you or not. I literally felt that. And I thought, of course that doesn't matter. But I had to talk myself round. And I think Paul must have had something of that. He had a thorn in his side, whatever that was. He'd been beaten. He'd been at danger, in danger from robbers. And he'd been shipwrecked. He'd been opposed. He'd been stoned. He carried the weight of the churches on his shoulder. He came in a bit, you know, he, he must have felt to a far greater extent some of the insecurities that I felt. And yet he keeps saying, my confidence is in God. And I just want to encourage you. You don't need to be impressive You don't need the elders to be impressive. You don't need the trustees of the church to be impressive. You just need God to be impressive. And God is impressive, even though the way he impresses us confounds us. We sung a song for years at City Church, talking about Jesus on the cross, saying, this is Jesus in his glory. This is Jesus in his glory, there on the cross. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame. We have a God, eternal, exalted, uncreated, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, Who chose to humble himself, to become obedient to death, even death on a cross, so that we could be brought to God. Jesus came to bring us to God. And whatever God does, he does very, very well. So that he could say on the cross, it's finished. Lord, I just want to pray for us, for myself, for my heart, for this church, my brothers and sisters here at Community Church, those watching online, those in the room. God, help us to boast in you. Help us as we contemplate what Peter's just told us, as we contemplate a return to church life or a journey into whatever's next, that throughout that, our confidence would be utterly in you. When we are weak, you are strong. Thank you that you are the strong God. We fix our eyes on you. Amen. Amen. Uh, It's been great to be with you. Thank you so much.